from the headquarters of the American Radio Relay League in Newington, Connecticut, this is ARRL The Doctor Is In, a bi-weekly podcast addressing common and some not-so-common technical issues in amateur radio. This podcast is brought to you by DX Engineering, helping you shrink the globe. See their website at www.dxengineering.com. And now, here's your host, QST Editor-in-Chief Steve Ford, WB8IMY, and the doctor himself, QST Contributing Editor Joel Hallis, W1ZR. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Doctor is In podcast. I'm Steve Ford, WB8IMY. And I'm Joel Hallis, W1ZR. Joel, is it true what they say? Uh, Probably not. (laughs) Not if it's about me. (laughs) No, you you know the old saying, CW gets through when nothing else can, right? Uh, that's uh, that is quite true, and it is uh, there's, a, there's a good solid basis for it. Why? Okay, there's a number of aspects. First of all, when things can't get through, it's usually a matter of signal noise ratio, not having a strong enough signal in comparison to the noise. Now, all things being equal, the noise is proportional to the bandwidth in your receiver. Mm-hmm. And if you're sending CW, you can cut the bandwidth way down to, let's say, 250 hertz. That's a popular filter bandwidth for CW, although it can go quite a bit smaller if it needs to. Oh, yeah. Whereas with single sideband, you typically have, let's say, 2.5 kilohertz of bandwidth. That's a little higher than some, but it it makes it easy to figure the numbers because that's a factor of 10. Mm -hmm. That means there will be 10 times as much noise power on single sideband as there will on CW if the noise is uniform across the spectrum, which it typically is for most kinds of noise. So that gives you a 10 dB advantage. That means all other things being equal, 10 watts of uh, CW will be will have the same signal noise ratio as 100 watts of single sideband. So, wow! So that's one. That but that's just the first part. Wait, there's Wait, more. Wait, there's more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the next thing we have is um, the fact that with single sideband, you need a stronger signal to be able to understand what someone is being what someone is saying than you do with CW. With CW, you just have a on or off condition. There's either a tone there or it isn't. You don't have to right. know what the tone sounds like. Whereas with voice, you have to really understand the nuances of the the signal being sent. It's like if you're in a party, you have a lot of noise in between two people at two sides of the party and you're trying to signal to each other mm-hmm. that you want to go home or whatever. If your signal has just got either your hand up or your hand down, it's pretty easy to tell, even if there are a whole bunch True. of people in between waving their arms around. That's a good way to put it. But yes. if, if your signal is some combination of fingers, which you have to carefully select, um, <laughs> then it's much harder to tell exactly what signal you're sending. So mm-hmm. CW has an advantage there, and it's hard to assess exactly what that advantage is, but I would guess that's probably 3 to 6 dB. So with CW, you can actually detect a signal if it's um, very near the noise floor or the noise level. Typically, a zero dB signal-noise ratio can be detected by a good operator, sometimes even less. Whereas I'm guessing with single sideband, you need probably at least a three to six dB signal-noise mm-hmm. ratio to be able to understand the words the person is saying. Because you, know, you could probably tell whether a signal was there or not, but you probably can't tell what he's saying if it's very close to the noise. When you're transmitting, with CW, when the key's down, you're sending your full 100 watts. Right. 
in, with single sideband, your average power is probably more like 25 watts or something, depending on the level of compression you have and how loud you're talking to the microphone. So that's another 6 dB. So between those three factors, we have a difference of 20 dB, roughly. Wow. So that's a factor, power factor of 100. So that mm -hmm. means to get the same effectiveness of a 100-watt SSB signal, if you had one watt of CW, you could get through the same under the same conditions. Yes. Now that, of course, works the other way too. If you have a, a thousand watts of CW, it would take you a hundred thousand watts of sideband to get through. Oh well, okay, and, that, that's easily done. Yeah. Well, it's not, it depends on what country you live in, but in the U.S., it's kind of tough, or at least certainly not within the the rules. You know, some listeners are going to quickly point out, why are we talking about CW? You know, there are digital modes that, in theory at least, can be detected at much, much lower thresholds. Absolutely. The trade-off there now for the, there are a lot of different digital modes, and some of them are somewhat similar to CWs. Uh, radio teletype is somewhat similar to CW in terms of its uh, noise performance um, and detection capability. But some of the... Uh, Joe Taylor type, very weak signal yes. environments, trade repetition for power. In other words, instead of being able to send, um, they send a signal encoded in such a way that it has, each bit has much less information in it so that it takes many more bits to get the mm -hmm. information through. And by so doing and doing clever encoding and error correction, they can detect and decode signals far below the actual noise level. Such as JT65, JT9. I mean, I know in my own experience with JT65, I've successfully decoded signals at, say, minus 28 dB in some cases. Yes, that's that sounds quite reasonable. And, and if you're willing to wait long enough for the message to get through, you can extend that pretty much as far as you want. Mm -hmm. So again, the trade-off is how long it takes to transmit or to get the information out of the channel. And yes. by using that much redundancy and, and encoding and so forth, you can, you can do it at, at levels far below the, the noise level. Now, looking at this comparison from the standpoint of the average ham and a uh, practical level, would it be fair to recommend an amateur who, say, lives in a, in a limited space environment, all he or she can do is put a dipole antenna in the attic, they're running 5 watts QRP transceiver. Would it be fair to say that they would be better off using CW or be more effective using CW to make contacts than attempting to use single sideband? I would say they will be more likely to be successful. Now, the, the, any of these things, any of these modes will work if the signals are strong enough. So the trick is, in my experience, this also applies to mobile rigs. Um, yes. Where you have a short antenna and kind of flutter and all kinds of things going on. Uh, you learn after a while that if you're on voice modes, you have to, you don't bother calling stations that you just barely hear. Yes. Because the chances are they won't hear you at all. But if you have a really strong signal coming through, chances are they will hear you. They won't hear you as strong as you hear them. But if you have a very strong signal, you can answer that signal and you'll be successful oftentimes. Mm -hmm. But no question about it in my mind. I quickly went to CW when I started doing HF Mobile when I was driving back and forth to headquarters because I found it got through extremely well. I, um, there's a few tricks to it. You have to learn to uh, copy in your head. Yes. You, can't, you can't be writing down. <laughs> oh, why not, Joel? <laughs> 60 miles an hour, you yeah, know, yeah. pad next to you. How yeah. fast were you going? 75 and 25 words a minute off. <laughs> <laughs> but I found actually it was less um, distracting to me than, than using um, voice. Mm -hmm. Because with, if you have to hold a microphone up with your hand, you kind of have to 
put it down to grab the shift or the steering wheel with the other hand. With CW, you just leave the paddles where they are and just move your hand one step and you don't have, you don't have to do two steps. So, and I, I did this with a five-speed car too. I mean, traffic lights were not, not always good for smooth sending, but, <laughs> but it worked very well. I had quite a few enjoyable contacts over the years. Now, thinking back to the apartment dweller or the condo dweller again, if possible, it sounds like what you're saying is is that either CW or digital, if they're pursuing, say, a DXCC or, or what have you, or just getting out at all, they're, that they're going to have a better chance of being effective. Absolutely. I absolutely believe that, and I found that in my own experience. I did most of, I still do most of my DX chasing on CW because I find it gets through the competition much better. Also, you have some other tactical advantages, if you will. If you have a, um, a spectrum scope, you can see a little bit of a notch in the wall of stations calling the uh, That's CW station. Yes. You can slide your signal in there and bang right through. Uh, I've found it works very well. With single mm-hmm. sideband, the calling stations are kind of, by virtue of their bandwidth, they're kind of all on top of each other. And yes. unless you're the strongest one, you often don't come out the other end. That's been my experience. Until I got a radio with a voice uh, recorder capability, I was losing my voice shouting at stations that never heard me. And uh, Whereas with CW... <laughs> I do that all the time. Yeah, with CW, it goes much more quickly in my experience. And, I, and the same is true. I'm not as experienced in uh, digital modes as I am in CW, but the same can be true of RTTY. Of course, it doesn't get mm-hmm. your voice as tired either. <laughs> Unless you're you're shouting at your radio. Well, that too, yes. Yeah. I, I do that. That's an advantage of CW, by the way, is that you can shout at your radio and the other station doesn't hear you. Never, never hears you. <laughs> so it sounds like uh, also with field day, portable operating in mind, in other words, any situation where you are compromised in some way, either by not being able to run high power or higher power, or as you say in a mobile application where your antenna has to be short for the wavelength in question, that sort of thing, that by concentrating your energy into that, that narrower slice of spectrum, that you stand a decent chance of being heard when, if you're trying to do single sideband covering 2 plus kilohertz, chances are you, you may not be. We're not saying that QRP contacts on single sideband are impossible, of course. No, absolutely not. And in fact, it's surprising how well it works. By the way, I should one caveat to what you just said. I was talking about receiving a signal in different bandwidths. Keep in mind that if you're sending on CW and the person at the other end has their radio's filter set for the 2.5 kilohertz of bandwidth for sideband, you won't get that signal noise advantage until they crank down their bandwidth. Uh, so, so it's okay. important that the okay. stations at both ends are kind of optimizing their conditions. Very good point. Now, yes. of course, that this is all something that comes up when you're down fairly near the threshold of noise. If your signal is well above the noise level, none of this matters. And as long as there's not somebody else there who's stronger, you'll get through just fine. And that that's true in all of these situations. And in fact, in field day, I think it's a little different because one of the things about field day is just about everybody is operating in the same set of conditions. So everybody has the same portable antenna and the same Mm -hmm. 100-watt transmitter, let's say, and by and large, and they're all kind of on the same basis. So chances are you can get through in field day, and they're all looking to make contact with you and vice versa. So that it, it... Contests are a little different environment in that regard. If, if people want to talk to you, they'll make it work. That's right. They'll, they'll do the work that is necessary to, to make it happen. Right, or it won't. <laughs> okay, Doctor, we have a question for you. Uh, this being submitted by uh, Chuck, Kilowatt Oscar 4, Sierra Bravo. And his question is, uh, my transceiver is attached to an SWR watt meter 
and then a linear amplifier. I just installed a 40 meter delta loop antenna and the SWR is around 2 to 2.2 to 1. The radio's internal tuner will tune it just fine. Now, here's what has me scratching my head, as he says. When I turn the amp on, the SWR goes down to 1.2 to 1.8 to 1 across the 40 meter band. Is there anything I can do to get the SWR lower without the amplifier on? Well, that's an interesting question, and I think the key is that the watt meter is between the transceiver and the amplifier, because when the, trans when the amplifier is off, it's a straight-through connection to the amplifier, and the watt meter, SWR meter, is looking directly into the antenna feed line. So mm -hmm. what you're measuring then is the standing wave ratio of the antenna system, which is what you'd really like to know about, and that's where you see 2 to 2, 2.2 to 1, which is about what I would expect with a delta loop. They typically have an impedance of about uh, 100 ohms at resonance, and uh, the SWR then would be around 2, and it will change as you go across the band. Mm -hmm. Now, switch on the uh, power amplifier, and now the watt meter is no longer measuring the antenna. The antenna is connected to the output of the amplifier, the watt meter is looking at the standing wave ratio into the amplifier. This is measuring the, the uh, load that the amplifier presents to the transceiver. This is the input circuit of the amplifier, which has very little, in, that's for practical purposes, nothing to do with the antenna itself. Even if there weren't an antenna there, as long as the amplifier didn't blow up, it would um, still show the same input impedance and have the same SWR. Yes. So you're, you're measuring the amplifier, not the antenna. And fortunately, the, uh, you have a vacuum tube amplifier, as you mentioned in your note, and its output circuit is tunable so that you can actually um, adjust and compensate for the 2 to 1 SWR within the amplifier. So it doesn't care about that. It's okay with that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it works just fine. So that the output circuit of a vacuum tube amplifier acts a little bit like an antenna tuner yes. and can compensate for some mismatch. So. That all should work just fine. If you really want to watch the, um, look at the, what's happening with the antenna, move the power meter to the output of the amplifier between the amplifier and the antenna system, as long as it can handle the power that the uh, amplifier has. Then you'll actually see the standing wave ratio of the antenna, whether you have the amplifier on or off. Okay, very good, very good. Well, thank you, doctor. Thank you for another excellent podcast. Do appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you next time. Well, thank you very much. Always my pleasure, Steve. ARRL The Doctor Is In is brought to you by DX Engineering, helping you shrink the globe. See their website at www.dxengineering.com. For more information on amateur radio or the ARRL, visit us on the web at www.arrl.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for ARRL. If you have a question or comment for the doctor, send an email to doctor at arrl.org. Background music is courtesy of Ben Sound at www.bensound.com. This program is provided under the copyright of the ARRL. Until next time, I'm QST Managing Editor Becky Schoenfeld, W1BXY, 73, and thanks for listening. <laughs>